I'm Carl McCollman. I am Kevin Johnson. I'm Cassidy Hall. And we are Encountering Silence. Encountering Silence is made possible by listeners like you. Please visit www.patreon.com slash encountering silence. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash encountering silence to learn more about how you can be a part of the circle and share in our efforts to bring silence into our all too noisy world. Today on Encountering Silence, each of us are going to reconnect and talk about silence in our own lives and how how we've been experiencing silence in our own individual practices, how we've been experiencing silence in our travels, in our work, in our homes. And one thing in particular that I'd like to open up with is I just returned from Toronto, where I was there for a conference called Voices for Peace. And I landed a day after the van attack that killed 10 people. What was so interesting to me is, of course, all of us assume... Canadians to be kind, friendly, wonderful people, and indeed they are. But this brought what seemed to be like a great hush over the city. It was almost as if everyone was brought face-to-face with death in some way, and that just created this deep gentleness among everyone. Everywhere you went, it wasn't just sorry and thank you and please, but there was a softness on on people's faces, Um, the kind of softness that you just have to assume comes from that mysterious place of, you know, being face to face, such a tragedy and, and the mystery of that. So that was my recent experience with silence in a unique way. And of course, there was just incredible discussions on contemplative life and activism. And it was just beautiful, beautiful and steeped in silence. So, Carl, I'm going to go to you and see how you're doing and, and what's new in your world when it comes to silence and and uh, how it works going. I know you're working on finishing the book right now. Yes. Well, life, you know, I, I jokingly said to Kevin when we first got on this call, he, he asked me how things were going. And I said, oh, about 90 miles an hour. And the the grace in my life is I have work that I love the challenge in my life is I have work that I love. Mm-hmm. And exactly. for, for where that is today is I have one book that was just published, another book that I am doing page proofs on, which means we're at the end of the editing process, and then a third book that I'm still early in the editing process on. So I've got you know, lots of work going on. Fortunately, this month I'm, is not a traveling month, but April and June both were very heavy traveling months. So for me, the, I guess the keynote in terms of my relationship with silence today is really needing to be intentional about it right? and being very intentional about getting on the cushion you know, for 20 minutes, at mm. least once a day, you know, better twice, but at least once a day. And, you know, it's interesting. We, you know, several weeks ago, we interviewed, you know, Richard Rohr. It was a wonderful interview. I'm still, you know, just reflecting on how much I learned from that interview. But he said something that was 
very, very fascinating about how we need to kind of expand our field of what contemplation is. Yes. That, that contemplation is not just getting on a cushion for 20 minutes a day. And I agree with him. But what I would add in addition to that is that at least for this person, I need that 20 minutes yeah. a day on this, on the cushion, you know, um, and my wife and I were talking at lunch earlier today about how there's a certain segment of people in, you know, kind of in the religious community, the Christian community that see silent prayer as almost a sign of privilege. Right. You know, this is, this is something that you get to do because you're affluent, because you, you have the privilege of education, the privilege of your, your, you know, your racial identity or whatever the case may be. And I do think there are issues related to silence and privilege. I'm, I'm not trying to dismiss that. Mm -hmm. But to me, the problems associated with silence and privilege arise when there are people who lack access to silence. Mm. That's the problem. Mm. Um, if mm -hmm. I have access to silence because I'm privileged, then that doesn't mean I shouldn't be silent. In fact, if anything, I think I need silence even more to teach me how to, how to approach the fact that I have privilege in a sane way and hopefully a compassionate. Mm, right. Yeah. So, so I really need that time on the cushion every morning. And that's something mm -hmm. I've just, just really been feeling lately. You know, there's an old joke that you should, you should spend 20 minutes a day in silence. And if you're too busy for that, spend 10 minutes a day in silence. And if you're too busy for that, then you need an hour a day in silence. That's right. And that, kind of describes where my life is right now. And so, so I'm, I'm blessed with a lot of amazing work and, and, you know, travel opportunities, et cetera. And I'm, I'm hanging on to my practice of silence, almost like somebody hanging on, you know, to the edge of a cliff that you're, mm. if you let go, you know, you're going to mm. fall. And so I'm, that's right. That's kind of, kind of where I am right now. So. Yeah. Carl, I've, I'm wondering what happens for you on a day when you, when you do miss that, that sit in the morning? Well, I think missing, missing intentional silence is almost like mm -hmm. not, not, not taking a shower. You know, mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't take a shower one day. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. You can still, you know, use a washcloth and just kind of wash yourself off and it's okay. Mm -hmm. but go, go three or four days without a shower. And then, you know, the wife is talking about a divorce lawyer. And, you know, <laughs> people, you know, people on the, the bus are not happy with you. Yeah, they, they kick you off the bus. You know? <laughs> so, um, so I, I think for me, if I miss a day here and there, it's yeah, I miss a day and it's like, okay, mm -hmm. I have to just be mindful of that. Gee, I'm, I'm really allowing my schedule to get the better of me. But I notice that if I miss too many days with silence, my anxiety level goes up mm. Um, mm. and, you know, and, and I think I'm just more susceptible to behaviors that aren't necessarily helpful, mm. getting, getting caught up in kind of the lies about being busy, you know, that I have to stay busy mm. and I have to be yeah. busy seven days a week. I don't have time to take time off, you know, those, those Poison kinds of busy. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And, and so one of the, and I know I'm speaking about silence instrumentally and that has its own dangers, but there are instrumental benefits to having a practice of silence. And Absolutely. one of those benefits 
sense is that it gives us the space, kind of like the psychic space to step back mm -hmm. from, from our compulsive behaviors. And mm -hmm. I have, mm -hmm. I have plenty of compulsive behaviors, you know, like I said, I'm blessed with work I love. And I'm cursed with work I love, you know, so mm -hmm. because the, the, the danger of being self-employed with work you love is the temptation to just give your life to it. Yep. And, you know, and, and of course, the, the nuts of it for me is since I write about a disciplined prayer life, if my disciplined prayer life goes out the window, my writing immediately loses its authenticity. Right. So, so, <laughs> so that so in a way, my work does help keep me honest. But, um, but it is, it is something I have to be very mind. I have to be vigilant about, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I found, you know, sometimes that the disruption that takes us away from that routine, sometimes that's good for me because I can have a repetitive nature where I can get too legalistic about it sometimes. And mm. I, I'm mm. thinking right now of uh, the Redeemer Church in Toronto I was at and we, during the communion, we all went up and we stood in a circle and one of the priest's children came up and just started climbing up like an animal on the stage and totally disrupting this, seemingly disrupting this, this entire Eucharistic prayer and everything. But it was the most beautiful disruption, the interruption of, of this child, right? And mm -hmm. just to have, he brought the magic into the Eucharist in that mm -hmm. moment, I think for everyone. He went up and, you know, hugged his dad and his dad put, you know, his arm on his back. It was just, it's beautiful. I think sometimes those interruptions can be really beautiful and really important. Kevin, how about you? What's what's new in your world? Well, I mean, as, as typically usually happens here is that we don't necessarily tell each other in advance what we're how we're going to answer these questions and yet it's, it always seems that we're walking in very similar circles so as i hear carl I, I i completely feel like i can i can step right out of that i, I i'm currently personally uh, and professionally having a, a shift happen for me i you know i do teach at the university level and it is something that i will probably always do for the rest of my life god willing but there's more and more based upon the way the industry works and all sorts of reasons, I, I'm going to be doing much more stuff online and I'm moving in the direction very similarly to what you and 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 Carl do is, is basically writing and and promoting stuff online and doing things in public. And so I'm I'm like Carl, running ninety miles an hour as I'm trying to create a website. I'm trying to do a whole bunch of different things. I don't have the money to pay someone to do it. So that means I have to do it and probably not do it perfectly and that'll be fine. I have to be fine with that, you know? So, but what's interesting is that it's, it's on this topic. It's, it, you know, so the topic is silence and about how important it is. And I want to carry over my academic stuff, but make it available to the average everyday person. It doesn't have to be a, a college level class and for various reasons, which people will see on my website. And this feeds right into what Carl was saying, that there has to be this sense of intention, taking intentional silence, because I'm, I've been very busy, and if I don't take intentional silence, if I don't have those moments, uh, I stress out, I freak out, etc. But what I'm struck with and what I've really been focusing on, part of my work, is, uh, and it connects exactly with what you just said there, Cassidy, in this event that happened in Toronto, that the child is climbing around and, quote-unquote, disturbing the Eucharist. Uh, I'm focusing on nature 
and the actual natural sense of silence in a human life where if we were not so trapped in the boxes of our minds and weren't so trapped in kind of the categories that civilization gives us, what would it be like to just be in a natural setting if you go for a hike, which I do often to reduce stress and to recuperate and to be quiet and to enjoy the beauty. If I do that, I start to notice there's another level of consciousness that's available to me. And that level Mm. of consciousness is tapped in through silence. And as we've talked in this podcast, silence doesn't mean no noise. Mm -hmm. Silence, there's a lot of things silence could mean. And we've, you know, fleshed out a bunch of these things. And one of the things I've noticed is that silence is that shift in attention away from where it's self-consciousness and all about my ego and my needs to opening up to the wide world in front of me and, and saying, I'm a player in this. I'm part of the trees. I'm part of the wind. I'm part of the, you know, I'm involved in this ecosystem and that I need to Mm -hmm. reconnect, that I'm not separate from the flow. And when I remove myself... Very St. Francis of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, This morning on my hike, I I said, hello, brother lizard. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I do, and I do stuff like that and people think I'm strange, but I I approach the tree like it's my neighbor, you know, and I feel like, hello, tree, how are you today? I'm noticing that silence really plays into that and and into body movement, uh, that there's a sense that I'm making the switch, just like Carl mentioned that Richard Rohr made, that we have to expand our idea of what silence is. And for me, what I'm starting to notice is that silence is when I can shift into, I am part of this ecology, I am part of this moving body, uh, and I have a moving body. And so I participate through my body in this world. I start to notice very differently a different approach to the world, and it's much saner. And I start to notice how civilization, for for various reasons, actually pulls us away from that. Actually, and so it's funny. I've been spending a lot of time. I work with my brother in in the wellness industry, and. I've been talking and, and giving some kind of advice and silence and mindfulness and stuff to certain people in the wellness and health industry and starting to notice this idea of uh, how we just seem to be uh, so disconnected. And so it's funny to say this, but I think about it now. I was thinking the other day, like human beings, it's like we're trapped in the zoo, you know, like I live in my house all the time. I have processed air and air conditioning and heat. I mean, and I get it. Technology makes things wonderful. I press a button. It makes it so we can be on Skype here. I, I mean, I use my phone. I write. I'm not trying to be a Luddite, but there's something really weird and disconnected uh, from that, so, that uh, society creates in us. And I keep thinking about what it would be like. And part of some of the writing I'm doing right now is this idea of being wild And I don't expect us to go live in the woods or to be cavemen or women or any of that stuff. But there should be a way that we need to reconnect with everything around us, be part of the flow Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and, and not be so disconnected. I mean, don't sit for nine hours out of the day typing, Kevin, get up and move. But also, like you were saying earlier, there seems to be almost a mindlessness about it you because you talk about the, right the shift of attention that's right so, what's so interesting that's right is once you get to it's it's intense presence yep but it's also like you say when we strip ourselves of that ego when we you know when that is removed yep. it also 
it it also kind of feels like a little bit of a, a mindlessness. Like like today when I was out walking, I yep. There's times where I'm I'm forgetting myself, but mm-hmm. in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say mindlessness in the best sense of the word. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> not 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 being mindless like being thoughtless. Right. 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 Being being I think the, the classical notion of excessus mentis, you know. That's right. Being, mm-hmm. That's right. You know, beyond the mind. That's correct. Know. That metanoia, you know, which That's we right. re- re- translate as repentance, but the Greek word basically means beyond the mind. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, right. So the mindlessness of in like sitting. So for instance, like I just said, I, I mindlessly sit in my chair for nine hours. Why? Because I'm mm-hmm. busy and I have to create my website and I have to write and I have my grading and I, and so I'm mindless that I'm actually mm-hmm. making my body sit in one position for nine mm-hmm. hours. Whereas the mindlessness you just mentioned, Cassidy, is I drop away from and I actually engage my body and now I'm part of the flow again. I'm part of hello yeah. world. Hello, brother lizard. Hello, nature. Yeah. Hello, everybody. I'm I'm here. You know, I'm not locked away right. in well, my body doing one has nothing. us present and the other has us. That's right. Entirely not present. And so that's, that's basically where I'm at right now. I'm finding it's a lot of nature Mm -hmm. and wildness and embodiment Mm -hmm. and the struggle to overcome some of the like mindless habits I have of just sitting or not moving or et cetera. And realizing there has to be some wildness inserted into my technology Mm -hmm. world, you know, and, and my everyday world somehow bring that in. So Our conversation will return after this brief moment of silence. Please take a breath with us and join us for this 30 seconds of silence. What I'm hearing and, you know, trying to draw the connections between what you're saying and what Cassidy and I were saying before that is that we're all talking about the paradox of intention. Exactly. Mm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that whether we, we may have different strategies for this intentionality. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of an old fashioned Buddhist. I want to sit on the cushion, you know, <laughs> or, or contemplative, <laughs> contemplative Christian, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand that that not everybody necessarily bonds with that, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. then, then go out and walk, take the walk in the forest, you know, or do the yoga Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. But there's, I, I just think we all, it is so vital. The busier we get, the more vital it becomes Mm -hmm. to, to open our, to make ourselves available for those mindless in the best sense of the word. Moments. I, I want to completely affirm what Carl just said, and I and I also want to build on what he said because I need the silence practice like you do too. Like I need to be on the mat, and and, and it, it, so compared to exercise, if I wanted to get better at squatting because I knew that helped my knees and my ankles and my hips and my everything, so in the beginning I'd have to because I'm not good at it. I have to sit down and intentionally practice squatting. But then what ends up happening too is that I can re fix my life 
so that there would just be natural squatting techniques that would happen in my everyday. So there has to be the moments of opening the hips and doing the exercise. And then I have to adjust my life so that there's more squatting in my life so that I can Hmm. keep that. So I think that's what you're talking about there. Like, sure, take your 20, do the intentional silence. You need that. That's the intentional practice. But then where can then you capture it in the everyday, you know, that it's not just when you're sitting Mm -hmm. on the map, you know? And so I, I, I affirm that. What you, what Carl said is, I think it is important that we do that, that we have the intentional so sp- silence. Speaking of another kind of silence, another kind of interaction with kind of a space away, I guess I would say, reading. What is everybody reading? Mm. Um, curious what everybody's <laughs> reading. Let's, let's keep it to maybe like, you know, at most three to five books, guys. Come on. And then, um, in closing, I think we could we could probably wrap up, and I would love to share a poem from a book that I'm reading. No, oh, that's great, Carl. Why don't you go first? Okay, devotions, <laughs> but uh, devotions by Mary Oliver. You know, mm. which is kind of which is kind of an obvious one, but you know, there you go. So I'm doing that. I'm I'm reading How We Live by Leah Weiss, mm. and uh, or it's How We Work. I think it's called. What's the title? Yeah, How We Work by Leah Weiss. Mm-hmm. And um, the Zen teachings of Jesus by Kenneth Leong. Mm. And how many did you say? Three to five. Does that mean yep. I, get, I, get, <laughs> I, get, I get two more? I get two more. Uh, the Jewish Annotated New Testament. Oh, very good. Yeah, edited by Amy Jo Levine. Yeah, it's excellent. And, then the, and the fifth one is a reread, but oh, it's such a classic. And that's an anthology of the love of God by <laughs> Evelyn Underhill. So, so those are my five. So. That's great. Very nice. Well, I have to echo Carl on a couple because, and and the podcasters will soon find out why, but Leah's book on work that, that Carl has mentioned, the Ken Leong book on the Zen teachings of Jesus as well. I'm also reading a book by uh, George Ma- Monbiot. I don't know how to say his name. It's a British name, George Monbiot, uh, but it's called mm. Feral, Rewilding mm. the Land, the Sea, and Human Life. Uh, so, and it fits into kind of this conversation I just had about what does it mean to have a wild life and what, is, what does that look like? It's part of the research I'm doing for my own uh, wild writing that, I'm, that I want to develop. I'm also reading Upstream by Mary Oliver. And mm. I'm reading Deep Work by Cal Newport, which is this, mm. this, so this author who wrote a few years ago, he's basically in the self-help industry, but he's this really hyper-intelligent uh, professor who's writ- who's basically so, uh, I mean, just writes every five minutes, it feels like. Uh, and he writes for the academic world, but he also writes for the popular world. And this is about how we need work that makes us self-forgetful, where we just get lost in our work and we don't do surface-level work, but that we get lost in kind of the creativity of our work. And how that's essential for us and our brains and and our our health. And those those are the main ones. And then you said keep it to only three to five. So I'll stop because I'm actually reading about five other books. But uh, we'll just <laughs> I'll, I'll just list those right now. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> so of course I am on those those uh, first two as well that everyone <laughs> mentioned. Um, I just finished a book of poetry titled The Witch Doesn't Burn in This One Ooh, by Amanda Lovelace. I want now to I read that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I am 
digging into some Jim Forrest books because just having met him, mm. my mind is blown. Mm. Uh, the Root of War is Fear was incredible. Mm. And oh. so now I'm working on his books about Dorothy Day called All is Grace, yes. a biography of Dorothy Day, whom he worked with at the Catholic Worker. And then at Play in the Lion's Den, yes. a biography mm. and memoir Daniel Berrigan. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm also hoping to... I mean, you know, we all have the stacks where we've started and <laughs> exactly. I'm looking at mine right now. So yes. <laughs> just laughing um, at myself because we could all go on on this topic forever. <laughs> well, well, here's just maybe one one book each. I mean, because I always try to have one book that is nothing but pure candy that I just am reading for mm. nothing other than enjoyment. Mm. And for me, that book right now is Fragile Things by Neil Gaiman. Oh, so lovely. I'm just... I'm just I'm just curious if you guys have a pure pleasure book that you're working on right now. Uh, no, but I'm, I, I think I'm actually, it's funny you say that because I, I'm looking for one. Uh, I usually have one cycled in and, you know, either in the fantasy realm or the mystery realm or something, but I haven't in a while just because I've been so busy. But now that, that the uh, university teaching is over, I think it's time to find a fun book. Yeah. That reminded me. Now I'm going to go to the library and get one. Maybe our our listeners could chime in and leave a comment on our Facebook page or on our website with books they recommend for Kevin to read. Yes, so. fun books. I want mysteries. I want. <laughs> it's like, got to be just yeah, total fun. Yeah. You know, so some something fun. A guilty pleasure. Yeah. So. I I <laughs> typically find the fun in poetry and uh -huh. um, nice. and you know any kind of short meditations that I can pick up and read and. Honestly, sometimes with poetry, I live in a studio apartment, but sometimes with poetry, I will uh, walk around my apartment with a book of poetry and just read uh, and just walk in circles because there's not many places to go. But it's just a nice little way to, you know, Kevin, like you were saying earlier, get up and move around. Right. Mm, beautiful. So there's a, a book called uh, Milk and Honey by uh, Ruby K-A-U-R is the last name. Oh, okay. Hmm. okay. It's it's a New York Times bestseller, and um, it's just beautiful. There's some beautiful images and great short poetry in there. So Nice. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So in closing today, I would love to read a poem from another book, uh, The Poems of St. John of the Cross, yeah. uh, translated by Willis Barnstone. And the title is called I Came Into the Unknown. I came into the unknown and stayed there unknowing, rising beyond all science. I did not know the door, but when I found the way, unknowing where I was, I learned enormous things. But what I felt I cannot say, for I remained unknowing, rising above all science. It was the perfect realm of holiness and peace. In deepest solitude, I found the narrow way, a secret giving such release that I was stunned and stammering, rising above all science. I was so far inside, so dazed and far away, my senses were released from feelings of my own. My mind had found a surer way, a knowledge by a knowing, rising above all science. And he who does arrive collapses in sleep, for all he knew before now seems a lowly thing, and so his knowledge grows so deep that he remains unknowing, rising above all science. 
Well, thank you guys so much for this nice little catch-up chat. I know we, we had some technical difficulties today, but we powered through, and I'm always glad we do. Yeah. So thank you yep. so much, and looking forward to next week. Yes, we, we have some great stuff coming. I cannot believe it's been nearly six months on the air. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Wonderful. That's right. Happy birthday. That's right. <laughs> All right. All right, friends. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Encountering Silence podcast. If you enjoy our ongoing conversations about the beauty of silence and its meaning in our lives, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or at our website, EncounteringSilence.com. You can subscribe to our email list at our website, connect with us on social media, on Twitter at Silence Podcast, or on Facebook at Encountering Silence. And please visit Patreon.com slash Encountering Silence. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Encountering Silence to become a patron of this podcast. Your financial support will allow us to continue creating new episodes and spreading the message of how vital silence is to our social, spiritual, and physical well-being.